and welcome to KeeperCast, the Keeper of the Lost Cities podcast. I'm Sammy. I'm Ivy. And this is episode 37. Today we will be talking about Lodestar chapters 57 through 70. I have not read this section Oh yeah, disclaimer. prior to recording. So we'll see what happens, I guess. I'm excited. I remember nothing. <laughs> yeah, this section was wild, but we'll get to that later because as usual now, we're going to start with some updates on the Shannon end of things. Oh, also, I can't believe I forgot to mention this. I was, like, getting so excited about it. But this episode is going to air on Halloween. So. (gasps) Spooky. Happy Halloween. Spooky, scary skeletons. Yeah, that song. (laughs) So we have a surprise for you guys at the end of this episode that we definitely did not just think of. But before we do that, or the Lodestar chapters, we're going to talk about Unlocked. Because that's a thing that's coming out very soon, as in, like, three weeks, which is kind of scary to me. No, it's, like, two, it's two and a half weeks. Yeah, I guess by the time of airing it, it's two and a half weeks, yeah. Dude, we're literally recording one day before it's airing. I don't know what to I try to pretend, I try to pretend that we have a decent schedule. There isn't a lot of super big information this week. We got two new quotes, however, which is exciting. The second one in particular has me very um, intrigued. But yeah, the first one said, Roe whistled, and then she says, What do you know? For a moment, I actually like Captain Perfect Pants. Ah, uh, yes. Wouldn't it be funny if Captain Perfect Pants wasn't Like, Fitz? wasn't Keith? Wait. Wait. No, I mean Fitz. We think it's Fitz, right? Wait, you think... It is Fitz, right? It, I am relatively certain it's Fitz. Yeah, that would make the most sense. It could be like Sophie, but probably not. Yeah, yeah, I think it's Fitz. Um, which is, so if it is Fitz, that would be an interesting development in that Keefe does something to make people like him. Wait, no, Keefe? I, why do I keep saying Keefe? Oh my god. You I'm, keep saying Keefe. In which Fitz does something to make people like him. That hasn't happened in a while. It really hasn't. He deserves better. That actually makes me excited because I think that we're at a point now where, like, the way Fitz is going is, like, he could either just keep getting worse and I'll be sad, or he could, like, have, like, personal growth and I would be happy. So this seems like it's leaning in the personal growth direction. I I want Fitz to have personal growth. I think it would just be so, so sad if he started off as, like, this major, amazing, mysterious character in the first book, and then he ends up just being evil or just being an annoying person. Like, I would just be so sad if that happened. Yeah, and, like, I actually think, I mean, from Never Seen, like, I was was hoping this would be Biana, but I could see it working with Fitz, too, where, like, he's tempted to, like, do what Alvar did and like join the never scene and be all angsty and stuff but then he's like no I'm better than him and like I'm gonna like do the right thing so yeah Mm -hmm. and also like generational growth because I think I mean they are the same generation but like like growth yeah right older younger growth because that's I feel like that's a theme where there's a way of doing things and then they're like lol no that's it. That's the series. You just summed it up. 
second quote is, yeah, the one that is intriguing, which is the quote is, um, being the moonlark meant being lied to and lying to everybody, which is like, ooh, morally gray Sophie. I feel like Sophie has been morally gray for a while now, which I like. I know, but like, at least they're saying it now. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad that this, this feels, uh, conscious, um, which is nice. It also makes me wonder, like, who is she lying to? I mean, I'm assuming, like, everyone. Or, like, what is the lie? What is the lie? Although, yeah, kind of everybody knows at this point about everything about her because they they're finding out at the same time right so like what kind of secret is she gonna find out that she has to keep from everybody else before they unlock her secret ha 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 i will start making unlocked puns uh yeah i was trying to think of one and i could um has she told everyone that orally is her mom because i think that maybe uh maybe she can't tell people that it's a secret oh that's interesting that's interesting. I don't know how many people know at this point. I think Keith and Fitz know. Well, Fitz definitely knows. And so does Mr. Forkle. And Orly, I guess. Imagine if Orly was just, like, like pranking her. Like, <laughs> yeah, That's the plot twist that. of Unlocked, that, like, <laughs> the whole thing was just a lie. Oh my god, that would be, that'd be great. But yeah, I have no idea what this lie is, slash was, I guess, since it's already been written, or I don't know how tenses work. Oh, literary present! I learned this from my English teacher. Shout out to Ivy's English teacher. Honestly, from these quotes, I'm like, or not from these quotes exactly, but I'm kind of getting excited the more I hear about it, because I've been thinking, and... Yeah, we talk we talk a lot about how the plot is like very like what is happening. <laughs> but I'm sorry. The characterization I feel like has has grown and kind of we kind of know what's happening there at this point. And it's like, okay. Like some like the setup is there for the characters at this point, I feel like. And so I'm excited to see how that pans out. I agree. And, like, it always is exciting when you get to release season, because, like, there's all this content that's coming out, and it's, like, it's just exciting. I have nothing else to say. I'm sorry, I'm, like, I'm operating on being tired. Should we get started on the section? All right. All right. So this was Lodestar chapter 57 through 70. It starts off with a little conversation between Sophie and Mr. Forkel, and there are probably other people present, but it's mostly those two. Um, <laughs> and the first line of note that I thought was interesting was Mr. Forkel, they, they were talking about what happened in the previous chapter where they had gone to visit Gethin, and Sophie had been trying to distract Gethin, essentially, while Mr. Forkel probed his mind. But in here, um, Mr. Forkel says, quote, Gethin did a brilliant job of blocking me from his memories. All this idleness must be building his reserves. So, obviously, this was, like, foreshadowing for, you know, the thing that happens at the end of the book. Because, like, he's been... Yeah, he's sitting... been storing up his stuff. 
yeah so now he's like super powerful in terms of skills so he can break a castle as an in-universe thing it makes me wonder like wait wait so this means they already knew that that you can do that your skills and your outward channeling or and that kind of stuff like they already knew that it helped to be unstimulated and like just sitting alone with your thoughts so like it just makes it even more confusing to me why they thought the luminaria prison was a good idea yeah dude i don't know i yeah i don't know man like i feel like a prison idea that would have been actually useful in terms of like helping like weakening prisoners or making them not strong in terms of skills would be like if there was a cell where they were constantly like blasting loud music or if they had to like run up a hill like sisyphus or something like you know i mean okay so they had that ability restrictor what the one dex made for sophie in everblade yeah why could they not just do that because that has to do with abilities not skills so skills are different oh dang you're right okay well either way either way i feel like there should be some way to like drain your energy or something i mean that would kind of be immoral but also like these people love doing war they've committed war crimes before right (laughs) like yeah so it's like what's what's another war crime to them right and then here's where they also come up with the theory that um, Lady Gisela killed Wiley's mom, whose name, I, I know her name is spelled C-Y-R-A-H, but I feel like every single person I meet pronounces it a different way, so I don't even know how I pronounce it in my head anymore. I've heard either with like a hard or soft C, and then a Y or an E, so like either Syra or Syra, or Kyra, or Kira? Huh. Well, there. where are they? Oh, are you looking up the origin of the name? It is of, oh, oh, that's interesting. Yeah, where's it from? Okay, so basically there are two versions. One version, okay, we- websites are not giving me specifics, but apparently one version is of African origin. Oh somewhere. yeah, that's very non-specific. <laughs> I know, right? Um, and means enthroned, as they do. Um, and uh, it's pronounced Syra or Syra. But it could also be a romanization of the Greek name I, that I believe would be spelled, uh, would be pronounced um, either, either Kira or Kyra. Do you know what the Greek name means? Like, because if it means something like light, then I feel like that would have been the one closer to, because Shannon picks names that. Yeah, no, one means, one means enthroned and one means lord. Oh, those all sound kind of elfy. I know, right? These are from like, ran- these are from the Google, like little previews of the website. So I have no idea how much of this is accurate. But it's basically saying that any pronunciation is correct. Basically, I think do whatever you want, yeah. I will be pronouncing it Syra, because that's how it is in my head, but... Alright. Sure. Well, we'll call her Syra for today. I think a couple episodes ago, she was... We decided on Kyra, 
So let's just change it up every episode for like funsies. Anyway, what what about her? Oh, Lady Gisela killed her. <laughs> I, I'm not surprised. Yeah, I know. I was kind of, I don't know. Keith's reaction to this was much later in the section because he doesn't find out till later. But like that re- reaction felt very relatable to me because he was basically like, hmm, I'm disappointed, but not surprised. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, that's everything Lady Gisela does. I'm disappointed, but not surprised. What what happened with the Starstones? Like, what was that? Okay, so this is skipping a bit ahead again in this section, but in here we find out the Starstones a leaping crystal. So if you like hold it up to the light and do the leaping thing, it it'll take you to Candleshade. Wait, always? Yeah, always. So it was basically like Lady Gisela's personal way home, I think. But like, isn't that like an entire type of stone? I thought like different facets take you different places. Ooh, I don't know exactly how that would work. You're right. It's possible that, I mean, they said it was a rare star stone and that like Syra had, I don't know jewelry terminology, but she did something to it. Um, so maybe there was, like, a particular facet that had been cut into it, or that was, like, inside it. Yeah, I, I don't know. Huh. Anyway. (laughs) They, on this page that I'm reading now, Mr. Forkel says, like, it's important to note that Gethin said star stones, plural, and the memory we recovered only displayed one. So that's kind of why I was asking, like, do we know what it does? Because if they have a lot of them... That could be important. And I don't remember them ever, like, doing that. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah, I'm not sure. Here's the thing. I do vaguely remember that being resolved. Like, I remember them finding a bunch of star stones somewhere. Oh, okay. But I don't remember what it, they did. Next thing that happens is Brielle dies. Which I totally forgot about. Like, I completely forgot that that happened. Right, so... Brielle was Grady's bodyguard. So basically, like, Havenfield gets attacked by ogres who... And and with the ogres, I think there's a thing where, like, most people think that they were associated with Dimitar, but Lady Cadence was like, what, no? So I think we're going to assume they weren't associated with Dimitar. Yeah, Lady Cadence is usually right. Yeah. Yeah, I totally, like, I remembered that that, I remember that that happened, but I thought it was earlier when there was the whole decoy situation. Um, I feel like we as a fandom need to capitalize on this death more than we have, but I couldn't think of any good jokes that, like, involve the name Brielle. Mm, dang, you're right. Yeah, so... That is a thing that happens, and then there's this whole sort of detour where Sophie et al. go to Gildingham, which is the goblin's capital city, and they go to um, to be guests at Brielle's funeral, which isn't really a funeral. It's like... It's, an, it's a gold thing. Yeah, so they transmute all her cells into gold so now she is literally a gold statue so 
that's the explanation they gave they whoa that's the explanation they gave and all i could think of when reading that was like full metal alchemist but like i know that like turning things into gold is an alchemy thing it's not just because of one anime like it's a thing yeah i mean like that would have been i was gonna say that would be like a really bad economic problem and what but then i was like wait they don't have money so it's okay well they technically have money but it's like obsolete because like well money like it exists but it just like exists to make people feel good i think like it doesn't have any actual value because everybody has as much money as they could possibly need yeah which is actually why right because the um we were learning about this in history uh like the money system it didn't at the time when the elves purportedly split from the humans money was not really a big thing because that was in like the stone age and so like it probably developed uh independently from the humans in that case but if they all have if they have the society where they all have as much money as they need why would it have developed okay 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 well while you were talking i thought of two theories about this the first is that yes i agree that it their money system would have developed independently, but maybe at the time that they split from the humans, they were in a place where they actually needed a money system. So, like, not everybody was super rich. And then it just ended up becoming, like, once the standard of living or whatever became better for everybody, like, money just became something vestigial that, like, they were like, oh, might as well just keep it even though we don't really need it anymore. Um, my second theory is that maybe the money, maybe elven money, is a pretty recent invention because remember there was that whole human assistance program in like the 1940s i think they said so they would have had contact with the humans and they would have seen like how they use money and maybe they would have been like oh wait maybe we should do that for us too so they tried it and then like they it wasn't really necessary but like they just sort of did it anyway yeah 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 where they saw this thing and they were like okay i'm not super sure how this works but i want it let's use it yeah, and that would be kind of like a cool way to make the relationship between the elves and the humans more of a two-way thing, right? Whereas, like, maybe the elves aren't just, like, better than the humans in all aspects. Maybe they actually did take some inspiration from human societies and things like that. I don't know if this is, like, apl- applicable, but one of the themes I feel like is that uh, lost cities aren't challenging themselves and they're not improving they're complacent um yeah yeah that's definitely a thing like they're just like in denial yeah and i wonder if sort of this lack of need and lack of competition may be fueling that because they are all all elves are under one government if you think about how just ridiculous that is, like, there are so many of them because they don't die. <laughs> well, it's, I mean, to be fair, they do have multiple governments. It's just that now it's like a different, there's different governments for different species rather than different governments for different countries. Yeah, but uh, there are so many elves. I feel like... We don't actually know how many elves there are, though. There are 12 people in the government. It's not like they have 
like provinces or anything. They all live in random pockets of light. Okay, yeah, you have you have a good point. You have a good point. They have no I'm now I'm now I'm thinking of my history classes too because I was going to be like they have no system of bureaucracy. Yeah, exactly. You need your bureaucracy. Also like, I don't know. I feel like they should have some sort of like I don't know, man. It's all very sketchy. Wait, they do kind of have a bureaucracy though, right? Because don't they have emissaries? <gasps> oh my god, you're right. But the emissaries don't they don't rule over like specific uh groups of people, right? They just I don't think so. Although I have no idea how emissaries actually work because like I I don't know. And I realize we're like overanalyzing the world building of a children's book, but like I find that I do genuinely find this interesting. <laughs> They're all under one government and they don't have any competition or anything and so they're not getting better so it's like i wonder if and this is something that actually has come up i think is that i wonder if like when it comes down to it like the other species who are not this like supposed utopia that the lost cities are if the other species are actually way more advanced because they have been improving and they have been getting better over like the centuries and stuff yeah that is so interesting that is so interesting because i completely agree like i think the lost cities have gotten to a level of technology where they just feel like they don't need to get any better because they're just like oh this is good you know this is fine but if this book is saying anything right it's that like oh the lost cities do need to change to keep up with the other species which are like creating new inventions and various things like that so i think that's very cool i did briefly want to mention this is going back to brielle's orification i care about sander and grizzle more than i care about this entire like love triangle Sansel! I love those two, like, disaster goblins so much. Sansel is the most wholesome... We talked about this. We talked about this before, but Sansel is the most wholesome thing that has ever existed, ever. It is! I love it so much! They're, like, adults. I think... I think that's kind of... I think that's my favorite part. They are... Like, they're very... They're both mature people. And they both understand themselves pretty well. I know, there's no stupid miscommunication. Yeah, and it's not angsty because they're, they're, they're secure in themselves and in their relationships. And they're like, we want to like tease each other and like flirt and stuff. And, but it doesn't carry the sort of like confusion and weight that it does for like the teenagers and so they're just vibing man they are just vibing and oh my god in this section like when sophie was overhearing like sander confessing his love i was like oh my <gasps> god and then when sander was like um he was like you should have been assigned to grady and edeline because you're like a better soldier or whatever but i didn't want to be too close to you because I didn't trust myself, and I was just like, oh my god! I, we should, we deserve more Sander time. Like, not to take 
not to take time away from like i mean we do get a lot of sander time well he's like physically there a lot but i feel like he doesn't get to say a whole lot you know yeah he doesn't get a lot of character time and i think it would be really interesting to have more between him and sophie because for the reason that they are very similar because sophie feels especially later on she feels this responsibility to protect everyone around her and she yeah and she feels like people will will die if she lets them down and i think that they could talk a lot about that oh my god you're right it's like sophie is a metaphorical bodyguard for her friends yeah yeah mm-hmm. we didn't do a brought to you by i stopped doing the brought to you buys because i couldn't think of them anymore <laughs> oh okay Oh, okay. Well, may I suggest brought to you by Sanders Silver Pants? Oh my god, yeah. Um, yeah, the next sort of big thing that happens is that Mr. Forkle triggers both Morella's pyrokinesis. Well, oops, we don't know what's pyrokinesis yet. Her, her unknown mysterious ability and also Sophie's enhancing. I love Morella so much. I have nothing else to say. I just love her. <laughs> I love her too. She's great. I also love how um it was either Fitz or Keith, I don't quite remember, but he but um after Morella said like I'll give you information about my mom if you trigger my ability and then they were like, So you're blackmailing us and she's just like Yeah. I love Morella's different than the other characters. Yeah. She's much more, like, present, almost. I don't- that's not a good way to describe it, but... Yeah, you get what I'm saying. Yes, that is something I noticed, too. I- no, I, I get what you're saying, because... Because there was this part right after the ability is triggered, I think, where, um... Where I noticed she seems kind of separate from, like, the rest of the Keepers, because, like, they're all, like, hugging and, like, encouraging each other and stuff, and she's kind of, like what are you doing? Like, I think the line is like, oh, wow, you guys are huggers? And it's like, she she thinks the whole thing is weird, which is interesting to have, like, an outsider's perspective on the whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, as for Sophie's enhancing, I, yeah, good for her. That's ability number five, right? Are we keeping count? Ability number, I don't even know anymore. Um, okay, okay, let's, okay. Telekinesis polyglotism no telekinesis you mean telepathy telepathy <laughs> polyglotness um inflicting teleportation oh teleportation that's it and then enhancing so Those yeah that's her- five i think she has the possibility of having more like just due to random things in her genes that like her biological parents might have given but like there aren't any more intentional abilities Y'all, Orly's an empath. Right, so technically empathy might be, like, somewhere in the genes. Somewhere in there. Imagine if Sophie was an empath. That would honestly... Okay, 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 okay. How awesome would it be? I feel like this has also been talked about. How awesome would it be to have, like, cognates, but for empathy, okay? So you're connected... Through your feelings. Yeah, your feelings... Uh-huh. Okay, kind of like the, the Forkle twin thing. Oh, also, okay, I will not talk about that now. Kind of like the Forkle twin thing, but, like, they're empaths, and then they're, like, 
You have like an empathy connection. Yeah, that would be so cool. That would be very fun. Unfortunately, there are so few empaths that like I can't. I mean, like so few in that that we know of that I can't like see it happening because nobody has the right dynamics. It's like like Keith and Stina. Like no. It's interesting that Stina is an empath, and I like that on her. This is not related. We're gonna move on. Well, yeah, because like she doesn't seem like a empathetic person, but like maybe deep down she is. Yeah, I mean, but the thing with that though is that she doesn't seem like an unempath in the bad. <laughs> is that she doesn't seem like an unempathetic person? I don't know. Like she was just kind of mean and kind of a loner, and I feel like I hope. I hope that she gets to be there more. All right, um, moving on, because I want to have time for the thing at the end. We get to the Lodestar Mirror, which Tam opens with some cool shadow things. Yes! Oh my god, that was so cool. That was like the best thing. That was really cool. So basically the mirror turns into like a portal that takes Sophie Fitz and Tam to a never-seen hideout in what I believe is Scotland. And this is the scene on the cover. I totally forgot about everything that happened in the scene. Like, I literally only remembered that, like... But, okay, I have, like, a whole list of things that I forgot about that I reread, and I was like, wait, what the heck? Um, first of all, I forgot that Brant branded Keith's hand with the Never Seen symbol. Oh, my God. Like, what the hell? What the hell? <laughs> um, okay, all right. Uh, sorry, dude. That sucks. <laughs> I also forgot that, um... Sophie, that this this scene is so dramatic, and how it ends is that Sophie doesn't know how to control her inflicting, right? Because basically, like, when she inflicts, she just takes out everybody. She doesn't know how to target it, so she inflicts on everybody, including Keith. And so she feels so bad about it, like that she's caused Keith so much pain that like he almost like goes unconscious. Sorry, dude, you did this to Dex in book one, but okay. That's a good point that I also forgot. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, the last thing is that at the end of this, Keith basically takes their leaping crystal to Iluvatar and then just like yeets out of there. And his reasoning for this is like, oh, I can use this leaping crystal to barter for information with Fintan. And then Sophie's like, but dude, if you give him the leaping crystal, he'll be able to leap to the headquarters. And Keith doesn't really seem to think through this through. Uh, back in the same place we were. See, it is a circle. It's the circle of Keith. <laughs> <laughs> this scene made me kind of take back a lot of the stuff that I said about Keith, actually, for the first few chapters of this book. Because, like, I still don't like how the first few chapters went. But... I do think that this showed a different side of Keith that it, it showed that he wasn't necessarily 100% on Sophie's side immediately after the end of Never Seen because he's still doing things that are kind of sus. And this time, at least, Sophie doesn't seem to have forgiven him immediately like she did before. So that was the end of the section. So do you want to move on to a spooky surprise? Spooky? Spooky. Again, we definitely did not think of this five minutes before we started recording, but 
um, since we're not doing a bonus episode for Lodestar, because we don't have time before, um, before Unlocked comes out to do one, we're just going to do a little bit of something now for Halloween. So we're going to talk for just a few minutes about um, what the Keepers would dress up as if they celebrated Halloween in some human AU. And I've never given this any thought before, so it'll be interesting to see what we come up with. Me neither. I mean, okay, like, in-universe, in like, if this was actually in the book, say Sophie was like, hey, there's this human thing, and they were all super on board, like, they would totally make each other dress up in, like, the furry costumes of, like... Yes! There's, like, whatever. The furry pajamas, yes. They would totally do that. Wouldn't it be so cool if they dressed up as, like, now that most of them have stuffed animals, like, if they all dressed up as their stuffed animals? So Sophie was Ella, and, like, Keith was Mrs. Stinkbottom, and, like... Fitz was the dragon. Yeah. I Personality-wise, I actually do think Sophie could pull off an Ella costume, like, with a blue trunk and stuff. That's true. I feel like Sophie would dress up as, like, a character... Like, she would dress up as, like, Doctor Who. Oh, that's true. I forgot she liked... Or, I don't know if she... She likes... I know she likes Sherlock Holmes. That was a plot point. She would have been super Hulock. She would have. Like, Fitz probably would have done something lame, not gonna lie. Like... <laughs> like, yeah, like, what's the most normal Halloween... Co- like, he would have been a vampire or something. Yeah, yeah. Um, Dex would be the ghost, but, like, the really lazy kind of ghost where you take a sheet and you cut two eyes in it. Either that, or he'd come up with some, like, amazingly, like, ridiculously intricate costume. Yeah. No, Dex would be that thing that my friend was in sixth grade, where you take a bunch of glow sticks and tape them together and make- and you're a stick figure. Wait, that's actually really smart. I know, right? (laughs) Biana would do something gorgeous and amazing. Yeah. She'd be something cute. Like, actually- Okay, I feel like either she'd be something cute, or she'd be, like, why do I keep thinking of vampires, but, like, a vampire bride, or, like, something really... Yeah, 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 yeah. Intricate, like... Okay, what about, what about Keith? He'd be, he'd be ginger ale. Or wait, no, he'd be Batman! Oh, yeah, he would, yeah, he would. He would, he would. But it would just be the Batman t-shirt, like, I feel like he'd be the kind of person to, like go to school on Halloween with, like, a t-shirt with a character on it and say that I'm that character? Yeah, he would. Morella would, like, be something edgy. Like, she'd be, like, an anime character. I love that you associate anime characters with being edgy, but yes, I agree. I think, circling back around to the beginning of this episode, I think she could be Winry from Full Metal Alchemist. Um, Tam and Lin. Tam would not dress up. I feel like Lynn would force him to dress up and she would force them to do some kind of group costume. She would, yeah. Okay, Tim would try not to dress up, but ultimately fail. Lynn would probably also be something cute, like... They'd be, like, yeah, something cute and, like, kind of related, like... Again, yeah, this is also thinking of, like, costumes that my friends have done in the past, but they'd be, like, mac and cheese or something like that. (gasps) Or, like... Okay, okay, what if, okay, I bet, like, Lynn would be a cat, and Tim would be a dog, and then Lynn would make it, make them, make there be, like, water around them, and then she'd be like, it's raining cats and dogs. 
That's that's amazing. That's so funny. Yes. Who else is there? Mr. Forkle would be a fork. <laughs> and Kenrick would be, oh, wait, he can't be anything. <laughs> okay, here's the thing. I, I know this isn't, like, in character for Fitz. Like, he wouldn't willingly agree to do this. But Halloween Fitz would be the, you know, I had to do it to him guy. Okay, I was actually thinking of that earlier, but then I was like, he would never agree. Okay, I bet Sophie would trick him. Like, she'd, she'd be like, just wear white khakis. It'll be fun. Like, Sophie would do that. She'd be like, yeah, this is like, she'd show him the picture and be like, this is a celebrity in the Forbidden Cities and you should dress up with, as him. And then he'd do it. And then she would send the picture to Amy and then Amy would crack up. Oh my god. Amy would be an anime character. Yeah. She canonically likes K-pop, doesn't she? Does she? I feel like she she canonically likes a lot of stuff. Like, she had, like, a Doctor Who shirt or something. So, yeah. okay. I feel like she had, like, a BTS poster, like, on her door. I mean, that checks out, yeah. Xena? Lollipop? Honestly, I feel like Xena wouldn't dress up. Like, she wouldn't really be into it. So, yeah, that was it. Have a spooky, socially distanced Halloween. Eat lots of candy if you want to. And watch scary movies if you want to. Or just hang out. And please, please, don't go to any parties where they're not masked. I know they're having one in Beverly Hills. If you live there, don't go. And also vote. Vote before November 3rd. Go vote. If you are old enough. Upon editing this, I realized that my statement was very Amerocentric. So I would like to amend that statement by saying, please vote if you are 18 or over and live in the United States. Do the vote. Do the big vote. Um, and don't wait until the last minute because the lines are going to be really long. And like it's overall just just don't do it at the last minute. Um, there should be you can either do it by mail or like there should be polling sites. Although they're saying don't send it through the mail at this point because it might not arrive by election day. Oh, okay. Don't send it through the mail, please. Don't do that. Ignore me. Um, but there should be polling sites all over. So just go and wear a mask and vote, please. It's because... important. As for social media, you can find us at KeeperCast on Tumblr and the KeeperCast on Instagram. And you can also find me at Malamelting on Tumblr and Instagram. And you can find me at alan-ashriver-galathinius on Tumblr. Next week, we will be finishing Lodestar. We'll be reading um, chapter 71 through the end. And that will be our last episode before the release of Unlocked, which is so weird to think about. We post on Saturdays at 3 p.m. Pacific. That will not be our episode, our last episode before Unlocked, I think. We have one more. In which, which is titled Final Unlocked Theories and Expectations. That's a working title, but yes, it, it'll be, it'll be the last. Oh, before like we talk about unlock. It'll be the last like normal episode. Yeah. This has been KeeperCast. See you next week.